With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Johnny Rosette Servini. But first, it's time to uh, welcome to the show the Richter to my O'Brien, the, the McMahon to my Carson, the Duck to my Butter. Please welcome to Mika Gibbs. <laughs> What's up, B? Hello. <laughs> Don't sound so excited to be back. I'm excited to have you back. You're, you seem. I'm very. Uh, I'm what's very wrong excited with you? to be back. No, oh, okay. I'm, no, I'm excited to be back. I was just trying to get the analogies that I am the duck to your butter. All that other stuff. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to know. Do not Google duck butter. Whatever you do. No, that's cool. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> now explain to me. You you've been away for for the last uh, couple weeks now. You had a yeah. stomach virus. We'll yeah, some some stomach flu that's going around, um, you know, at least in New York. And I've heard it in other places, you know, God help them. It's just really, if you don't pay, pay attention to it right off the bat and think you can get through it, um, it really takes you a little bit off guard because first you just get the nausea and then, you know, the uh, other side effects of that and it just built up over the course of, like two and a half weeks, and being a medic, I can take care of everyone else except except myself. Yeah. So could you do uh, anything for it, or did you have to just wait? Yeah, it out? I finally went to I finally went to the doctor. Um, they said the virus looked like it was trying to hold on for dear life, and my body was killing it. So that's fine. But I, towards the third week, I was really afraid to eat because I didn't want to get sick. So then I was blacked out in the shower because I wasn't eating, and blah blah blah, what have you. So finally, I just sucked it up and went to uh, some wonderful doctors that I know down on uh, 14th Street, of all places, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they helped me. And that between that and rest has helped. But thank you for your concern. It's good to be back because I was concerned. 
I, I really I haven't <laughs> been that sick in a while, you know. Since like yeah, well, we're so, so glad to have you back. And I tell you what, I think that, that something happened today that I think will excite you. Uh, Justin oh. Bieber released his new song, oh, no. Boyfriend. How do you feel about that? <laughs> she released another song? I didn't know she had so many on her. <laughs> she did yeah. release another song today called Boyfriend, and she's rapping on it a little bit, and then she's like, oh, and God. now comes the falsetto in three, two, one, and then he goes into the falsetto, and I, I, I like it a lot. No good? No. <laughs> no. I don't listen. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you've given up. At this point, you've no. just given up on the whole Bieber thing. Yeah, no, I don't. Mm-mm. You Are you saying, whoa, 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 that thing? No, I'd rather do the zooby dooby doo, zooby dooby doo <laughs> from Mad Men as opposed to Justin Bieber's bullshit. Yeah. Oh, yes, that Mad Men, uh, the premiere was last night of the season. Uh, yes. Did you watch it? Yes, I did. And it, it well, What was did you good. think of it? I, I, it was good, and I'm glad they're actually addressing some issues of race as they're continuing their time continuum of Mad Men that is mm-hmm. the 60s. So, right. um, especially with the whole, you know, thing about Hunger Games. I I haven't seen it yet. I haven't read the books yet. I'm trying to read the book before I see the movie, but now with all this <laughs> Stuff. I'm just like, well, whatever. I'll just go back and watch the reruns of The Wire and call it a day. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Just don't, don't worry about reading the book. Just go see them. Listen, I made the mistake of trying to read Eclipse, Twilight Eclipse, before I went and saw <laughs> that book. Wound up with sunblock all over it in the trash. Okay. Well, I mean, I just, you know, you're calling it sunblock, so that's cool. It, it was because it leaked it I, in my bag. Yeah. Okay, you released it in your bag. That's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Hunger Games is huge. I tell you what, the, the star of it, um, Jennifer Lawrence, the girl, she was on Letterman last week, and she kept saying, like, she's a beautiful young girl, and she's only like twenty one or twenty two, and she was like. Um, oh, I'm a troll. I don't know why they cast me in anything. I'm a troll. And she and she said that her brothers used to beat her up when she was a kid. And one time her brothers beat her up, and then they put peanut butter all over her face and locked her in the basement with a dog. And it's just she was oh, so wow quirky and insecure and insane. And then the next night, the guy, one of the guys, was on, and uh, he was like, "Oh, Jennifer wanted to apologize," and Letterman was like. But why? Because she was like a powerhouse last night. And the guy goes, she she thinks that you may have thought she was on medication. And Dave was like, no, I think she needs medication. <laughs> well, hey, you know, tell it like it is. I tell you, that, perform- we're- that, perform- that interview made me want to go see The Hunger Games regardless. Yeah, it, no, not regardless, irregardless. <laughs> irregardless. Irregardless. Well, then you know what? We should go see it together. Maybe, maybe we should do that because I haven't read it yet. You haven't read it, so we'll, we'll just be new to it. So no, I don't want to be getting that that sunblock real, not the bootleg sunblock all over the Hunger Games too. Yeah, leak in my bag. We'll go but, see yeah. it. Irregardless, down there on Forty Second. Shout out to uh, Brandon Nye. Irregardless, Brandon Nye. Um, yes, Forty <laughs> Second. Nah, man, let's go to the Union Square one. Oh, that's even better. There'll be lots of sunblock uh, down there, yeah. Well, well, Tamika, you mentioned this a little bit in the in the Mad Men when we were talking about that. Um, 
uh, race being introduced into Mad Men. Obviously, it's a it's a huge issue still in this country. Um, what do you make of what's going on down in Florida with the Trayvon Martin? Um, um I don't really. Obviously, it's a tragedy what took place. Anytime someone's life gets taken, it's a tragedy to the extent of we don't really know all the details. And, you know, this is, you know, tall, strong, intelligent black woman saying this. I, my heart breaks at this particular point for this family because that child, you know, resembles my nephew who I just got to hear sing at Carnegie Hall. I mean, it's just, it's, we don't know what took place just yet. And now they're saying this guy who shot this young man had, you know, broken nose, head bashed in, whatever. But, Something, uh, a very controversial person named uh, Mr. Sharpton, I'll call him, which is what his name is, said, we really don't know what took place. We really don't know what took place. If That that guy might have a busted nose and head if he attacked this young man. The young man had some Skittles on him. You know, it's like, and he sees this guy coming after him. You know, it could have easily been any anybody wearing something that does not look safe uh, to a particular person. And if I see, you could even be walking up on me. If I don't recognize you right off the bat and I'm going to defend myself, I could easily bust your nose wide open. But that doesn't mean you have to kill me. You know, so I, I it just, it, the thing, I guess the thing that sticks with a lot of people and sticking with me, too, is that the the gentleman that shot him has not been placed into custody of any sort. Right. You know, so everyone's getting their story straight, and even with trying to get their story straight, it seems like it's still changing. You know, now he's been attacked. He was attacked by, you know, Trevon, and it's just like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's put more extra on the story when just tell the truth and, you know, mm-hmm. then go from there. Um, yeah. In my own way, I support the family because I wear a Zippo hoodie all the time. It says staff on it when I was working at the public theater, but that doesn't ensure that I'm safe. You know, like I said, I'm a tall black woman. I I don't know. Walking out here in Astoria, Queens, people still think I'm a cop, and I'm not. You know, thank God they think I'm a cop. Mm -hmm. You know, otherwise, and even then, they may still try and shoot me, so I have no idea. I mean, I I don't. It's um, it's a touchy issue. And like I said, with Mad Men um, addressing race last night, in in the workforce, you know, it's like the show that I used used to primarily work for, How to Succeed. They've got like two black people in the entire cast, and that's mm-hmm. but that was the '60s. You know, people were calling right. that show racist, and I have to go. To people like, look, this was the '60s. That was that era, that time, and this is what was taking place. So they're keeping it true to form. With Mad Men now, you know, playing off of each other, equal opportunity employer. Sad to say, history repeats itself. You see the same thing now today. You know, yeah. equal opportunity employer, and you've got veterans showing up for jobs that they would normally just bypass. So, uh, you know, well, I, I'll tell I, you what. I, you know, um, it is what it is at this point. <laughs> we have uh, Joe Taylor coming up in just a minute. Um, Joe, so thanks for a uh, <laughs> He is quite smooth, huh? Now, Tamika, um, Newt Gingrich made some comments the other night, so did Geraldo Rivera, and do you know how their comments made me feel? <laughs> Maybe. I think. Starts with A. Third. Uh-huh. Wait. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. 
typical dives, you know, dive bars. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. It's it's a pretty happening place. Um, yeah, I just but the walking around is very cool. Actually, they fixed up Washington Square, which is pretty cool. So it was like a construction. Yeah. Yes, a construction mess for years, and now it's like it's like holy crap, this place actually looks kind of cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, very nice now. Now, uh, Joe, you it, it is said that your sound harkens back to the great singer songwriters of the 1970s and 80s, uh, but it is not stuck there. Now, coincidentally, I heard Justin Bieber on the radio today saying <laughs> that his his new album is very old school, but he manages to keep it fresh. Now, do you draw? Your inspiration from Justin Bieber? Oh, absolutely. He's he's my biggest influence. I mean, for, for, forget the Beatles, forget <laughs> Journey, forget Led Zeppelin. I mean, it's oh, all Justin. Goodness gracious, alive. Yep, he's it. That's it. You now, found it out. Tamika hates Justin Bieber, don't you? And I, I I enjoy him. I mean, you know, honest. I mean, Tamika. I mean, honestly, you know, all the power to Justin. Um, if all he, the power. You know, he's he's had the opportunity to. You know, to I don't hate him. I don't have hate a him. career. I, I, a good I don't hate her. He's, he's not my oh her. <laughs> he's not my <laughs> but he no he's he's not he's not my inspiration. But I do definitely wish him a lot of luck. Um, but the Beatles are my influence, and uh, I, you know again I love a lot of these '70s bands. And uh, would you like me to interject a little? Why I'm not trapped in the 1970s and '80s? If <laughs> <laughs> you want, I'll answer that. I don't have to. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, why are you not trapped there? Okay. Well, basically, um, I, I used to be. Uh, I've actually okay. worked with a really great production team in L.A., uh, Red Road Music. I work with a guy named uh, Matthew Spindell. He's the guy. He actually worked on uh, Supernatural by Santana, and he did uh, Dr. Feelgood. And he actually he works with Springfield, and he's worked with, like, dozens of other, you know, up-and-coming artists, artists that have made it, Grammy-winning and um, his partner, Jeff Gross. And now the cool thing is, Maddie tends to be a little more old school, but Jeff is very new school. So you had a combination of these two producers basically saying, listen, we we love what you do, but let's do it in a way that's that's fresh, that's not a typical cliche, but at the same time, it's got to have kind of that same same kind of stay in power as, you know, take an album like The Stranger, like Billy Joel. You know, like it's one thing to make an album and to have, mm-hmm. or you could even take, you know, uh, oh, I mean, you could even take um, Stevie Wonder. I mean, you, you know, you could take some of these albums, you know, where, you know, um, where there is just something timeless about it. And so that's kind of that's what they went for. But then paint it with more of a modern, modern kind of feel, you know, so a little bit of train meets kind of journey. So it's, it, you know, that that that's kind of the vibe. And and uh, it took about five years to pick all the songs like we were in production pre-production for five years so we're like writing songs i write a hundred songs and every time a song got through it was like you get it through jeff and then you know and then you got to get it through maddie so it's like you're popping the champagne cork you know it's oh my god we got a song we're we're one more song closer (laughs) holy crap you know i'm gonna be you know 50 by the time we get we get to the 12 songs but um but hey you know we're getting there so but but that's why it's it's not stuck. It's because you've got a guy who's more old school, so you have that covered, and then you have a newer guy. Not to say the other guy's an older guy, but he's he's older than the newer guy. And um, <laughs> I love them both, but you get that fresh perspective. So, 
and that's that's okay. why. There you go. Sure, keeps it nice and fresh. Now, Joe, you've worked with uh, producers and musicians, as you just mentioned, who've worked with uh, Rick Springfield, Patti LaBelle, Alanis Morissette, Tony Braxton, Lady Gaga, and Santana. Of yeah. all these artists, whom would you most like to sleep with? Oh my <laughs> goodness, that is a yeah, geez, right. that, That's a well, I don't know. Tony Braxton's pretty hot. Um, <laughs> She's a hottie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't think I could. I don't know which one I would sleep with. I don't think I. That's a tough one. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think I may have a draw on that one. Um, sure. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? Speaking of Tony Braxton, I just heard this recently. Um, Donnie Kerr, the original pinball lad in the Who's Tommy, he did Aida with Tony Braxton, and one night he ad libbed. And he was like, and I think it was a serious moment, and he was like, the line was, I'm so sorry or something. And he turns to Tony Braxton and goes, I'm so sorry, unbreak my heart. And she just <laughs> oh my goodness. herself. Oh, yeah. and so, what did she, oh, my goodness. I, that would have been so funny just to see what her eyes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, she, and she's got, sure she's got great lips, too. I mean, she's got, like, probably oh, the greatest lips ever. So. <laughs> Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. All right, I had to say it. Here we go. Okay, I'm I'm done with that. <laughs> now, do you? Yep. Do you I, I, I'm you, a cap guy, so there you go. Just mentioned um, uh, Rick Springfield. Do you wish you had Jesse's girl? You know, I think I think that's I think that's more for Rick. I mean, uh, honestly, <laughs> Rick, Rick has been a big support for me. He's helped out. Um, he's been like his, you know, a lot of his team is my team. So. I don't want to get Rick mad and mess with Jesse's girl. That's all his. <laughs> Do you know no, that I he's about to well, return on General Hospital, or or did you see him on it? I, I, you know what, I didn't, but he did. I do, oh, you know, I did see something about um, that he did come back to do something. Yes, he did. I just saw something on Rachel Ray. Um, <laughs> he did a show with Rachel Ray. Unfortunately, yes, I admit I was watching Rachel Ray in the morning. Um, <laughs> Uh, and he has those uh, cruise ships that he's been doing, a little cruise, special yes, cruises. Yeah, the cruise ships doing. where everybody gets sick. It's like, oh, sick. no. I'm glad I was looking at that. Well, no, because when you're on those, I mean, they're great. I mean, they'll do those yeah, with, it, like, it Ario like Speedwagon. Yeah. We'll come on. Eddie Money might come on one year. You know, you got, <laughs> you know, they're hanging out. Actually, there was this one um, flight. I, I hear some of this information from Maddie, and apparently they did a thing with Ario Speedwagon in Aruba. And apparently it's like you just get on a plane to do one gig and then you come back. But apparently it was like the worst flight ever. Have, have you guys ever seen like um, Rockstar? Uh, actually, I, I was either Rockstar or Almost Famous. Not the one with Mark Wahlberg, but the one with the kid that was interviewing. Almost Famous. Almost Famous. Yeah. So and they're in yeah. the plane and it's doing mm-hmm. like the dips. I mean, it's like that. <laughs> yeah. Like I hate flying, but you got to. Yeah. But that was I the flight. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to be yeah. sick. Yeah. 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 No, that doesn't sound like a good time. Oh, I hate that turbulence. It's like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. No. It's okay. You know, it's oh my god, you crazy? We're like, yeah. Should we be up here? (laughs) Yeah. You know, do you understand what we're even doing in here? You know. (laughs) I I know how to swim. I'll swim. Just land it. That's fine. Oh my goodness. Well, well, here's the thing. You know, George. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. Go ahead. No, jump, jump on that. No, no, no. I was going to say, George Carlin always used to say, they always say, get on the plane, get on the plane. I say, fuck you, I'm getting in the plane. That's right, get (laughs) in the fucking plane, exactly. You don't want to get, right, exactly. Well said, George. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, so let's jump from the, or let's fall from the uh, the sky down <laughs> to the underground. Now, you've been uh, dubbed as the Subway Idol. Explain. Yes. The, the, okay, well, a couple of years ago, I get a phone call from the New York Times. They give me a call, and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is a crank call. You know, and they said, "Hey, uh, what, what are you, what are you, what are you doing tomorrow? Are, are you going to the audition for Muni, which is Music Under New York?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah. Why do you want to know?" Well, we're the New York Times, and do you mind if we hang out and follow you, and we may we want to maybe film you? You know, I'm like, okay. Well, what time are you leaving? Uh, quarter to ten. So they're like, okay. So sure enough, the next day downstairs. They're there. They're waiting. So we went for breakfast, which is pretty cool. I brought into my favorite diner, which is on the Upper East Side. It's uh, the place called Gracie Muse. It's the greatest diner. Anyways, so we're having breakfast, and, and the owner is really nice. It's so funny. He's normally a little grouchy, but he's like, hey, man, you want have a seat. You know, the cameras are there. They're rolling. Oh, you can sit here. You... Anyways, it was just kind of funny. Um, but, no, he's a pretty cool guy. And uh, so we we <laughs> jump into a cab or whatever. We head down to the audition. And I didn't know that this was a big thing. And so they're, like, saying, well, are you kind of nervous? I mean, like, you got people that are, like, you know, doing all sorts of talented, extraordinary things. You know, you're you're kind of just play the guitar. You can sing, you know. It's like, well, I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I'm not nervous. I mean, I, you know, I enjoy these things. These are fun. And so at the same time, nobody else knows this, but I have a fever. So when I did that video, <laughs> I was sick. I'm running like, I run about 96.8. So I'm a few degrees lower than most. So I'm hitting, just hanging around 100. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm so sick. I'm going to throw up. And so I'm covering all this stuff up, you know, and it's like, I'm going to fall over. But so I was like, yeah, I love auditions, you know. And so, so anyway, so we're going to the audition, and and the whole freaking media of, like, you know, tri-state area are there. Everybody's there. And I'm like, holy crap, I didn't realize everybody was going to be there. So the the Times, they ended up, they snuck a mic on me, and they, they really pissed the Muni guys off because they were like, nobody can come back here. You can't come back here. So before – we we went backstage. They were like, "Hey, we can, do you mind if we just sneak this on you? Can we put this on you? We want to get the audio, you know." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> and, and so, all right, whatever. Okay, so they did it. And so basically, the announcer goes, oh, which is so funny, he goes, um, "What kind of a song are you going to do?" And I say, "Oh, you're going to do a happy song. It's all around the world, you know, happy." Because <laughs> what the guy did before was some depressing. It was some depressing, like you know, gothic. Uh, you know, you're going to die, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm ready to pass out. I'm sick. I'm going to I'm going to throw up. And so I go on there. I get people clapping. I get the you know, I come out there. The adjudicators are looking at me like you're crazy. Like what? You're going to get us to clap on your song. And I'm like, damn right I am. So I, I'm clapping, trying not to fall over. I start singing acapella and then I start playing the guitar and I, you know, let it go. And ultimately the gist of it. Things went very well, um, and then like a couple hours later, uh, somebody gives me a call and says, dude, you're like on the front of the New York Times. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I go on there, and it's online, and I'm like, holy crap, yeah, they did a nice job on the video. So that, and thus, the Times called me the Subway Idol, and um, that's uh, how I got the name. So there you now, go. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but did you just mention in that in in, in what you just said, did you say the phrase, I love auditions? 
I did actually, and I actually said that in the audition because, you know, these things are fun. Well, you could understand that I've played in some of the meanest holes and dumps like you, you could ever possibly imagine, you know, where people actually could throw stuff at you, bottles. and So I'm like, D- nobody's throwing any bottles at me? This is fine. Like, no problem. This is fine. This is what I do. So, you know, it, <laughs> and they were kind of so, surprised. I mean, they were almost looking at me like, you're crazy. It's like, well, what What am I supposed to say? I'm intimidated? I don't breathe fire? You know, no lightning bolts? You know? Anyways, now, what were you going to say, Ryan? What's the, what's the worst dump? You just mentioned you played in a bunch of crappy places. What's, what's like, what's the <laughs> most horrific gig you've ever played? Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, it was in St. Louis. And, uh, and it was East called... St. Louis? Yeah. Uh, I think so. It, it was just brutal. Uh, I don't want to give the venue name because I don't want to piss anyone off, but let me tell you something. Yeah. It was it was brutal, man. It was like there was like a... It almost like it had the smell of like a corpse was uh, mm. just hanging out in the corner. No, no, seriously. And the lighting was so dark. I felt like Silence of the Lambs. Do you know the part where you come in... You know where Holly Hunter comes in at the end, or or, or sorry, is there Holly? Yeah, Holly Hunter is that. Yeah, she does that, and uh, she's in the first one. And you know where where all the flies. Jodie Foster. Of, you, you, yeah, J- didn't. Jody yeah, Foster? I was gonna say Jodie Jody Foster. Foster. Sorry, Jodie Foster. Not uh, you yeah, know the yeah. accent mm-hmm. got me. And so, yeah, and, and and you have the, the those there's that blue room where you can see all the different insects flying around, and it's like oh my god, <laughs> and you got that crazy. I was just waiting for the the bold the guy that was you know making himself out of skin. I was waiting for him to jump out of the back. Like, that's how just morbid the place was. And I was like, holy crap, I'm going to... Now, that was just, like, the freakiest. But the most scared that I ever was was I did a bar in Texas, and it was in kind of like... It was a little bit north of of Dallas. And literally, the, the... I'm, you know, I'm kind of a pop rock guy. I'm not like, you know, tough or anything. You know, I hold my own, but not, you know. And so, literally, the name of the 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 guy working the door, he had tattoos all over his body, and not to say that's a bad thing, but his name was Killer, and he was like six foot five, six six, at least like three hundred fifty pounds. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm gonna die. And and it was funny because I'm playing like I'm gonna play maybe some, you know, I do a few covers. I might sing a little Journey. I'm gonna do some of my own stuff. If you've heard it, you realize it's not Nine Inch Nails. And I'm right. thinking I'm gonna die. And it turned out actually, <laughs> once I got in there, they loved the stuff. Holy crap! I, you know, they were like, oh my god. It's good. I'm like, oh geez, he was like the nicest guy you'd ever meet. But that was probably the scariest <laughs> moment going into the bar. So, wow. Right yeah. Sure. Wow. Well, may I ask a, a, pers- a somewhat personal question? I um, sure. read that you uh, live down there in South Carolina. I do not. I never lived in South Carolina. Oh. <laughs> so someone has taken your stuff. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, we better maybe We better call the police detective. There is a Joe Taylor. There, there is a Joe Taylor in the South, though. There is, like, another Joe Taylor. Down yeah. No, yeah, I no, think that's no, who you were no. looking up. There's no, a Southern no. guy. He's, like, the no, South no. Joe Taylor. And then I'm, like, no, the no. North Joe Taylor. No, you're yeah. the North Joe Taylor. I got the right one. No. Yeah. I was just like, so, okay, well, because I was looking it up, I was like, that's not him. It's like, hey, dude, I, I, I'm, well, there's another, there's another guy called Larry Joe Taylor, who's like, he's no, I like, didn't look six, up nobody six, named Larry. Old. 
Yeah. Why everybody? Why everybody got to be named Larry? Well, well, he comes up. If you type in Joe Taylor, he's been around so long that like yeah. he still no, comes know. up. Yeah. So, no, I'm working on it. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be all on there. It's just gonna be you know we're working on getting me up there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sweet. Now, Joe, you just mentioned um, uh, Journey. Now, do, do you ever? Go into karaoke bars and hear people do "Don't Stop Believing" and just want to get up there and crush them. And just crush them. I I have actually, you know what? I I haven't really even let it get to that. So it's like, oh, let me tell you something even worse. Singing "Don't Stop Believing," you're on stage, everybody's looking at you, but then you have a few people in the audience that are singing it back to you, and they're just out of tune, and they're pounding it out like they're busting those notes out, and they're out of key. That is even worse than at least if you go up there and hear it, somebody else doing it, at least you think, hey, <laughs> you know what? You're on your own, dude. But when you are the one on the stage, that's even worse. So I'm cringing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, stop saying. And then sometimes I'll say, you know what? you got to make sure that you hit the notes. If you're going for it, you better have it. It's got to be like a it's got to be like 100% confirmation on those notes okay. if you're going to go for it because if not, you got to stop singing, <laughs> or I'm going to stop playing. So I, I've said that to a few people. So you got to, you, you know, better get it. it. Oh yeah, you, I mean, no holds bar in New York City, especially at the yeah, back of that. Just shut it down. Just, sh- <laughs> just shut it down because they'll sing and they'll be just. It's almost a special talent just to be <laughs> like. It's one thing to be really out of tune, and there are. But when you're just slightly out of tune and you're just slightly missing it, it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> You're killing me. It's like either yeah. like don't get the note totally or get the note, but don't sort of almost have the note. See, that's, that's why, why I only rap at karaoke. I, but Tamika, you're a big, you're an avid karaoke singer, right? No, no. I, I'll watch <laughs> it from a distance, <laughs> but that's it. Because I've only done karaoke once in my life, and I <laughs> butchered "Modern Love" by David Bowie. Oh, it's a great song, was, though. It's a good choice, though. It's a good song. Hey, I had much help in the bar, but that was it. Because uh, never again will I do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, well, you know, if you have a few drinks, it's all good. Just have a few no, drinks, no, and it's there's all not, good. There's not enough drinks in the world. Oh, <laughs> you got you got a pretty good tolerance then. That's I'm like. I'm pretty well done after a few. I normally don't even. I don't normally drink and sing. Kind of like drinking and flying. I don't do that either. Yeah. No. Uh, it's not. You know what? Even sober, it was bad. It was I even bad sober. Even, yeah. Oh, dude, it's just not not a good thing. <laughs> That's okay. Man. These things happen. I've had a few bad ones, and I'm trying. And I'm trying to do this professionally. The, my <laughs> my worst karaoke experience was. Do you know that song, Long Tall Sally? Um, mm-hmm. which is it's Long Tall Sally, and um, and sometimes they mess with the keys. It's like I try to do it in the original key, but sometimes these karaoke guys will mess with the key, so they'll sing it in a normal person's range. And I'm like, you can't do that because I want it in the original key. Anyways, okay, so so he gave it to me in the original key, What's but what I realized, key? which it's the key of G. Anyways, but yeah. it's it's like Paul McCartney's version, the Beatles version of Long Tall Sally, the, the key I, my favorite key. And obviously, I think Little Richard, I don't know if Little Richard does it in A, but anyways, so I'm singing it in G, and and I'm singing it, and I'm realizing, boy, this sounds a little funny, and, and what, what happened was, and I was like maybe like 17 or 18, 
It was this place called uh, this this real dump um, bar. It was oh, I can't even think of what it's called. It's it's totally blocked out of my mind, um, and it, it, it's terrible. Anyway, so I sang it, but I sang it a whole step higher than what the Beatles did. So I'm like, holy crap, this seems a little high, but I had so much adrenaline pumping that so I'm singing an octave higher than so it mm. sounds like Robert Plant is singing. Long Tall Sally, and it was just like, holy crap, that sounds a little weird, and and people were looking at me like, dude, are you like, what kind, of, are you on like, what kind of drugs are you on? And um, I was like, holy crap, I didn't even realize like, just the drama was on. But that was one of my worst karaoke experiences because it was not meant to be sung in that key, not like that. I don't even think Robert would have even tried that, you know, not in that key, you know, and uh, it. And there you go. So you live and learn, right? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I, I learned. I, le- I learned my lesson. I don't do it. <laughs> so, uh, Joe, um, now you're uh, you're you're Gene Grimaldi, uh, master of your CD, and in your bio it says he's also worked with Lady Gaga, Sean Kingston, Tony Braxton, Hannah Montana, and Mary J. Blige. Are you aware that Hannah Montana is a fictional character? <laughs> I, 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 I am. However, I think she's got some better credits than Miley. So I think she did a little better work back then. So that's why he put it on there. Um, no, honestly. Um, yeah, how cool is that, right? I didn't even know about that. It's like um, they just – I got an email from Gene, and I don't even know who this guy was at the time. He's like, hey, uh, how'd you like the CD? And I'm like, uh, who? I'm like uh, yeah, the CD's great. Um, and kind of who the hell are you? And he's like, oh, I'm Gene. Oh, Gene. And then I go on, I find out who he is. I'm like, holy crap. Uh, you know, Gene, you did you did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Gene, I'm <laughs> loving it. So I didn't know who he was. They didn't tell me who half these guys were. Like the guy who did the back and vocals on mo- the majority of the album, his name is Matt Bizanet. I mean, he, Matt, and he wrote a couple of the songs. And, and Matt is like, Literally, Matt's like Ringo's bass player. He's Springfield's bass player, but he's mm-hmm. like Matt played with, you know, David Lee Roth, you know, and his brother Greg is, you know, just monster. But anybody who's, you know, anybody who Ringo picks to be their bass player, I mean, this, you know, this guy is like, Matt is like on, like, Paul McCartney's speed dial. It's like if Paul needed yeah. somebody, he's going to, you know, he'd call someone like Matt or he'd call Matt and say, Matt, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know what are you doing? You know, are you around? You know, want to sit in for a session? I I, I can't even do an English accent at this point. Yeah, that was that was all that was if that was that was terrible. But exactly, a for effort, a for effort. So, um, anyway, so yeah, so but that these are the kinds of people, and I didn't even realize who he was for like a year. So the, the all the players that are on this, like the bass and the the guy who did some of the bass and the drums, and Matt, of course, did some of the bass on some of the stuff. But the drummer, initially, the initial drummer, because we cut the songs in different sequences. We cut four, and then we cut the other seven or eight. But the drummer, speaking of Journey, um, the original drummer, Matt Lang and Lance Morrison, those are the two guys that did uh, Jagged Little Pill by Lance Morissette. Mm-hmm. Apparently, we were ready to cut the other songs, and apparently Matt, Lang couldn't make it because he was in the studio with Steve Perry. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. ah, but the guy that we got um, was phenomenal to, to, to finish the record. His name is uh, Mike Holowatch. And uh, he's, guys, 
monster. Like he's fantastic. So guy from Jersey. So, um, but all the players are just phenomenal. I mean, I couldn't mm-hmm. even tell you like the credentials. It's almost embarrassing to hang out with these guys because they got all their gold records. It's like I don't have any gold records. They have all the gold records. Oh, I've done this. Yeah, yeah. They got they're in the cars. They got the you know the beamers. Oh, they have it so hard. Seventy-five degrees in January, you know. Uh, you know, every now and then um, they have to, you know, evacuate one of their houses because there's fires. Like one of them lives in Chatsworth, and yeah, uh, take all the gold discs. Yeah. Has to bring it over to the oh. other guy who's more in the valley, and yeah, uh, dozens <laughs> of gold discs. And hey, it's just like, oh, you got it so hard, man. Don't yeah, man. The knows all about Chatsworth. It's well, exactly. I know the valley. Hey, yes, hey, yeah, the valley. <laughs> Dude, that was studio. Studio. <laughs> I, no, I was Studio City. Don't say Chatsworth. People get a different impression of Chatsworth. Have you, have you been to Chatsworth? I used to live in Studio City. I have a joke for you. You're going to love oh, it. Dude, do you remember don't. that commercial? And don't get freaked out by this, but do you remember that commercial? It was like, well, this is funny. I'm going to say this anyways. It's so funny. All right. I'm going to get I'm a joke. Hold on, hold on. Okay, let, right. let, let, let me hold just on say this. Hold on one second, guys. One, one second. Hold on one second. Just a reminder, we got... Johnny Cervini coming up uh, from Just Visiting in just a minute. Johnny, hang tight, um, and uh, we'll be with you in just a few. Uh, okay, um, please uh, speak right in. Uh, uh, well, thank you. J- just the I was story. Say, I probably oh. lived in that area, so. Oh, oh, you lived in the yeah. Well, my yeah. my, I, I spent a lot of time in Tarzana, so um, we oh, have a great God. area. So, God bless you. Thank yeah. you. And <laughs> so, I'm in Studio City, so, that's so okay. well, no, Studio City is not bad either. That's where we do and, some of the rehearsals. And Sherman Oaks. So, you know. Hey, so there's the a great there's show? a great cheesecake factory in Sherman Oaks. It it's, yeah. it's served wonderful, wonderful um lot of great meetings there. Um so what I was saying was there was this this sex enhancement commercial. I'll just leave it at that uh, that extent. <laughs> and I'm in Chatsworth yeah. and I'm like for uh, for year for like a year they advertised it on CNN, on all the mm-hmm. television networks. If you, yeah. if if it worked, do you think if it didn't work, do you think we couldn't advertise it? And so I see the guy that's in the commercial walking out of a coffee bean, in mm-hmm. in and it was like some I think it probably was some porn guy, but in in like in Chatsworth, and I just sat there and I was laughing my ass off because the, I think they got into a little trouble this particular company. But um, because they're having some side effects, but it just it just cracked me up. I'm like, oh my god, this guy! You know, I'm laughing my ass off because, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, I just saw you like, at least a month ago on television. You're on CNN, dude. You're a, you're a celebrity. So, anyways, that's my chapter yeah. story. I thought it was I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> well, the extend thing. I actually worked oh, on the infomercial for that out here in New York. Okay. But living in the valley. Um, <laughs> Casa Vega up there on Ventura Boulevard. Yep. That's where all the porn stars go to eat because it's the darkest restaurant in Los Angeles. Okay. So everyone goes in there for their lunch break, which is like 7, 8 o'clock, you know, okay. p.m. Yeah. And that's crazy. That's it's crazy. insane. Yeah, man. Did you ever and go then, to Baroni's? Have you ever been to Baroni's, the pizza yes. place? Yeah, of course. That's oh, that's my God. That, that, doesn't that, <laughs> that is awesome, awesome yeah. pizza. What do you think? Yeah, good pizza. And then, and then afterwards, Twain's, you know, yeah. right there on Coldwater. I mean, come on. You, absolutely. Yeah. Coldwater Canyon, man. You, can, you can't, yeah. you cannot beat it. And then, of that course, was my address. The, that was, oh, yeah. very cool. So, yeah, that's yeah. very no. cool. So, you must have gone Yo. to the Jerry's Diner as well, do a little bowling, yes. midnight bowling, going yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been to the Valley for like 10 years. So, yeah. Awesome. We're I good. love it. 
Um, I was there for two years, and I got the hell out of there. Uh, okay. So let's go to uh, <laughs> so, uh, last question before sure. we go, Joe. Um, yes. CenterStageChicago.com said you brought the crowd down to its knees cheering for more. This is a very bizarre occurrence at a non-gospel concert. If I were you, I would have been freaked out, no? I was a little freaked out. It was um – yeah, it was just one of those nights. It was um I think the uh the Hives were actually playing next door as a place um in Chicago and they were playing at there's like this big center. I don't even know the name of the of the, the theater they were playing at, but I was playing next door. So as their concert ended, everybody came over to where, you know, where I was, which was the Kinetic Playground. So Mm-hmm. I'm on there, and just everybody just kind of came in, and I think they were on on a, on a total buzz from the hives, and <laughs> I, I pretty well just let it go. I ripped it, and uh, and it was just one of those magical nights. And the guy working the sound, his name is Awesome, and he really is. I mean, the guy's like a, again six five, scary looking guy, but the nicest guy you'd ever meet. You know, friendly. It's normally how it goes. But but no, it was it was a, I guess it was almost a religious experience. I'm not really your typical religious guy, but I'm not like really you know. But I'm, I guess you could call it the closest thing that I've ever come to a, you know, experience where it's like wow, you know, it's like holy crap, you people are really that affected by what I'm doing. It's like oh wow, wow. that's crazy. That so, is crazy. That is. Mm-hmm. Well, let's. Um, uh, this has been a pleasure, uh, Joe. Check. Check Joe Taylor out at JoeTaylorOfficial.com. Don't go to South Carolina to meet Joe. He will not be there. Um, Joe, do you have a Twitter? I, I, I do. I am on uh, Joe T. Official um, on Twitter. And just, But if you just hit the website, JoeTaylorOfficial.com, you can – every possible link, you can be linked. You'll be completely linked. Don't go to South Carolina unless you want barbecue. I love barbecue. <laughs> All right, sir. Anything else you want to say before we go, Joe? I just want to thank both of you for a wonderful interview, and uh, I look forward to uh, let's do it again sometime. Thank you so much. Let's do it. Take care, sir. You got it. Thanks. Bye. Talk to you soon. Now, uh, Tamika. Yep. I didn't do it. When he he said he ripped it, he let loose and ripped it. Does that mean he farted? Is that what he was saying? No. Come on. (laughs) My next guest is uh, the lead uh, singer and the front man for the band Just Visiting NYC. Please welcome to the program Johnny Rosette. <laughs> Hello, guys. How are you? Woo. Woo. What's going on, sir? How's everybody doing tonight? I'd like to congratulate Joe Taylor on a lovely interview just now. with a uh, very well-spoken guy. That's very sweet. Um, yeah. Tamika... Tamika, do you mm-hmm. agree with that? <laughs> yeah, that was actually um, um, fairly good. Yeah, no, most definitely. He was a pleasure. Um, now, <clears throat> I, I, I'm after reading uh, a bunch of your tweets, uh, oh, I'm a bit no. fearful of this, this interview. All right. um, so, so far, you sound like a normal guy. But <laughs> let's see what happens when we get, when we get into things. Um, so, <laughs> you have a show coming up April 18th at the Bitter End. Yes. Um, and your band, uh, Just Visiting, was formed in Geneseo. I went to Syracuse. Does that mean anything to you? Um, I, w- I went to party at Syracuse University a few times, and um, one of my first four girlfriends in college was from Syracuse, so I went there on weekends sometimes, but I didn't 
past that, I didn't really get to know Syracuse that much more. Oh, okay. And now you have two guys with the last name Burke in your group. They're not related to Philip Burke of Auburn, New York, are they? No, they're not. Um, they're good. not. That's but it's good. funny you mention that because we are in rotation on 93.9, the Tiger in Auburn. Um, so there's that connection, possibly. Um, actually, awesome. Mike and Dennis Burke are two uh, brothers. I met uh, Mike when I was in college my freshman year, and I wasn't even playing the guitar. I was from East New York, Brooklyn, so I was very much a hip-hop head. East um, New York. There yeah. We go. And um, <laughs> basically, East in college, New York, who are you, is somebody on the show from East New York? Are you from East New York? No, Tamika, no, but I, I love East New York. I and do. Tamika always comments, I, I tutor in East New York, so whenever I check in on the Facebook or whatever, Tamika's like, oh, hell no. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's kind of a tricky place to grow up, I mean, but usually it's not something, it's not like kind of a place that you choose to grow up. But um, oddly enough, in East New York was the place where I discovered the guitar, so I'm actually glad that I didn't grow up on the Upper West Side um, because I discovered yep. the guitar in East New York. Sweet. Sure. Well, um, now you, in your bio, mm -hmm. um, it says, every musician that spent time in just visiting NYC was pivotal in making it easy to spot those that would end up being the permanent, current, and touring version of the band. Right. Does that mean that there were a bunch of losers? No, it wasn't that there were a bunch of losers. I think what happens is that, like, you know, when you're trying to form a band around the age of, like, you know, people that are, like, 20 to 25, there's just a big struggle for, like, you know, the, the front person position. And I think there were situations where I had a bassist that would find the need to go, you know, right in front of me. To you know, It was just uncomfortable, and there were a lot of egos involved. And I think that with the guys that are currently in the band now, it's like everybody kind of knows how to play their position, including me. Like, over the years, I learned what it is as a front man to pull back and give the shine to your rhythm guitarist or give your shine to your, your you know, bassist or your drummer. So I think it was just a question of evolution, and it was just, it was just you know, there were a lot of egos at an age where everything seems dramatic, which is like, you know, 20, 22 to 26 pretty much. Now I'm a little older, and everybody's kind of settled into their, you know, into their pocket, and everybody's in position kind of. You know what? About your music, uh, listening to it today, I've noticed that you really are very reflective about what you've gone through and how to put that forward, which yes. I really appreciate. Thank I mean, you so just, much. Just even watching uh, some of the videos, because the shoebox, I was like, oh, who doesn't have a shoebox? Right. And to see within that shoebox, it's like, oh, uh, you know what? No, I'm gonna get rid of that shoebox. I don't want to be bothered with that anymore. Uh, yeah, so I, I, re I really, I, I saw that and I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. That's yeah, really good. I, I really, I really do appreciate that. That was probably the trickiest thing for me because, to be completely candid and kind of ruin the the jovial mood, I'm only, I think, you know, 28 months clean of a horribly, mm -hmm. horribly, you know, addictive substance. And, mm -hmm. you know, the video was kind of me challenging myself and just putting myself on blast because I think everybody mm -hmm. that goes, there's no humble character in the music industry, especially in a rock band. So I know that all of my dirty laundry is going to get out there if I get to where I hope I get to with my talent and my band and all this kind of stuff. So the video was kind of a confessional, you know what I mean? Most people are aware that if I made a video about, you know, very heavy drug use, chances are that it's probably me reflecting as opposed to me just well, imitating it, you know? You have the flip side of that, and then you also have the beautiful side of you guys shooting the other video where you guys are shooting in Astoria Park. Oh, okay. You're talking about the Spanish single, Para Ti. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, Para Ti. Yes, <laughs> very well said. 
Um, yeah, the, it's, it's. I think that's, you know, the, the kind of music that I put out is always going to be bipolar. There's going to be some songs about breakups, makeups. There's going to be, you know what I mean, alcohol, drinking too much, and the hangover the next day, and the trade-off, and, you know, smoking weed and writing songs. So it's it's going to be, it really is, I'm trying to put out there exactly what I really am. Like in a 24-hour period, I can get up, I can wake and bake, or I could get up and go to the gym. It's whatever I really decide I want to do at that given moment. Um, but I don't want to I don't want to put on airs. I think I'm realizing that the one thing that I loved about my main musical inspiration, which is obviously Kurt Cobain, flawed mm-hmm. as he was, the point is he put it all out there. He was like, this mm-hmm. is my laundry. Some of it's not dry. Some of it is dry. Some of it's clean. Some of it's never going to get clean. Exactly. And I think that, you know, it's just you know if uh, being derivative of somebody like that that pretty much is the godfather of the sound that I'm kind of recreating in my own way I want to stay I want to stay true not just to the way he puts his chords and guitar solos together but also the beauty of a person who just says listen this is me you know I think you know his tagline here we are now entertain us I think it's true mm-hmm. I think it really is what it is some people are going to be in the audience to relate to your struggles and some people are just going to want to nod their heads while they have another Heineken so our job yeah. is to just get up there and give you your money's worth you know Right. Yeah. Well, and whatever I, the audience gets yeah. is right. Yeah. Well, honestly, now, to, to tell you the truth, that is exactly what I pull from your music. Just on the simple fact that you said Kurt Cobain. Right. But you know, too bad nobody could get to Lane Staley and have him do the same thing with Allison Chains. Right. Because I also picked up a hint of that with your music. Oh no, there is a. I mean, there is a. No, and when I and when I say Kurt, it, it's almost like when you talk about MP3 sites and you say iTunes, everybody's going to know Kurt the way everybody knows iTunes. But you know, there's the Amazon and there's the you know there's a Rhapsody, <laughs> and I think that the Lane Staley, don't get me wrong, Lane Staley and Jerry Cantrell, those people taught me a world about songwriting. You know what I mean? Like that that was just they were geniuses in their own right. And the Pearl Jams and and the Pixies and stuff like that, like right. the progenitors right. of the Nirvana sound. Um, right. I think that you know I learned from everybody, but I think just like in anything else in life, you know, I gravitated mostly towards you know the, the Jesus figure who was just sad, you know, and it just like that yeah. that draws you to him, you know, um, when you seem like you have everything, and in one fell swoop you realize that it didn't weigh anything at all, you know. Um, yeah. But that's just kind of like my perspective, you know. The more I write now. I'm trying not to not to sound not to piss off Nirvana purists, but the more the older I get and the older my daughter gets, the more I realize that not everything is so gloom. Like you know what I mean? I got past 27, and I figured out there are some songs that can just be about like I don't know if you heard "You're So Pretty." It's just a song about you know liking a girl, thinking that she's a pretty girl. You know, and I think when I was 20 and I was starting my rock band, my ethos, the punk ethos, wouldn't allow me to write that song. Years later, though, I figured out there's nothing wrong with just writing a song that's not about drugs or a breakup or a complaint. It's just about you see a girl and you think she's pretty, so you call the song, you're so pretty, and then you shoot a full-length music video for it and blah, blah, blah. But um, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where, you know, that that's what I'd like my music to represent, just the full circle of a person's day, the happiness, the sadness, the waking up, the going to sleep, you know, going just the normal, the, the normal part of everybody's life that everybody, just emotions pretty much. Sure. And that's, yeah, nobody's one dimensional or two dimensional. We're all, we all have a lot of different components to ourselves. And how, how did you guys get the name uh, Just Visiting? Um, the name Just Visiting came up simply because I think um, I did an internship at MTV as part of my college experience, 
And once I was behind the scenes of MTV, I got to see how, like, like I got to see what a dichotomy there is between what you see on the screen versus what's happening behind the scenes and how there's really just people with earpieces telling you where to go, where to stand, what to say. And I just figured out, no matter how hard I try at the music industry or no matter how many breaks I might catch or how much ambition I may have, it, it's, it's all incredibly fleeting. I mean, like, at MTV, you would see these people come in for a day, and I would literally see the staff treat people like a god, in you know, one day, and the next day, they would treat another person like a god, and then the next day, and, and I was just like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, what can I call my band that would be representative of if it went right or if it went wrong? And I'm like, everything is fleeting, so I thought just visiting was appropriate. Um uh, yeah, it, yeah. Was just, it was just that. I just think it's like the industry is very touch and go, and I'm excited that we're making progress. But I'm also, you know, I, I, I'm also aware that at some point or another, we can be just summarized as a band that was just visiting the industry kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a pretty creative title. And how, um, what's it like being in a bilingual band? Do you ever start singing in the language that you did not intend to sing for that song during live performances? No, no, no. To, to be completely honest, I think right now since we brought on like a radio promo team and you know we have a publicist and we have consultants, they've all kind of said, listen, that was a cute pipe dream you had, but first, why don't you just launch yourself as an English band? So really, you know, it's kind of like bilingual is... In essence, we are bilingual because I can just jump into Spanish. But right now, the direct like we haven't done a Spanish song in years, to be honest. Like we haven't performed one in years. Not to say we can't, but just in terms of strategy, everybody is saying just pursue English for now, one thing at a time. Right, and then later maybe you can go back to it. Uh, well, yeah, no, I mean definitely later I want to go back to it simply because you know like there's what I think, like 300 million people in America and there's 115 million in Mexico, so I think it would behoove me to try to release something there, too, at some point, you know? Oh, sure. In your bio, um, Johnny, says you were desperately trying to find a day job that would work out. Does right. that mean that you kept getting fired? And no, it doesn't mean that I kept getting fired. It's just I have this thing that I get near a two-year mark with a day job, and then something would start happening. Um <laughs> And usually what would happen is that I would just start getting this inclination to just take off Mondays. And then people would, people would uh, no, but it was funny, though, because on one Monday I would have a fever. The next Monday I would have a, a, a earache. The next Monday I would have a stomach virus. Infection. You know, th- then the, the the Monday after that, I'd be celebrating the anniversary of the first stomachache that I had a month ago. It just became, <laughs> it just became, it just became comical. Wow. You know, it just became like I just, when I get to the two-year mark, it's almost as if the cage starts to show itself, and I figured out, oh my God, like I'm looking forward to a three percent raise in April, and th- that's my cheese at the end of this maze. Right. And I and again I don't I don't knock it in any way I think it's I think it's incredibly beautiful that you know it's, you know people put in their time firefighters and cops I just had this inclination that it wasn't for me to to be doing that I just knew full well that I I knew that writing songs was a way to entertain people and you know and just make people happy whether it was a little six year old kid at a birthday party or whether it was a sixty year old person at a at a senior center the point is when you just stand in front of somebody with a guitar and just your voice, not even a band, just a voice and a guitar, people are just, it it just draws people, you get somebody's attention, and I figured out that you need to treat that as the gift that it is, because 
we have so many things vying for our attention. We have commercial media, we have online media, we have we just have so many things. So it's you know it's, if I capture somebody's attention. I'm going to maximize, you know, that faith that they had in me. Even if it's three minutes and 30 seconds of their time, I'm going to make damn sure that they said, you know what, for these three minutes and 30 seconds, I wouldn't have been staring at anybody else but this kid and his guitar. Right. Sure. Right. Uh, Johnny, what was the uh, the worst day job that you had? The worst day job that I had was all the day jobs that I had, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not. I think. Well, it depends. I mean, because I went through levels of uh, being levels of. Uh, is patheticness a word? I went through levels of. It's a word. Today. Okay. Okay. So you've confirmed that it's a word. At first, today. when I was 18, I think I had a day job um, on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, very popular, trendy strip. But there were times where I would have to dress up as the figurine of the store. Um, and it was in a suit where the temperature inside of the suit would go upwards of like a like a jillion degrees, and you have little kids coming and punching you near the pelvic area and taking pictures of you. Wow. And then I had a couple of gigs where I worked in Medicare, so I was dealing with, you know, people that might have been like 80, and you have yeah. to do, you have to do detailed presentations about you know very technical financial points. And sometimes you look at the person and they're asleep. Um, so you know, it, it, it's kind of it, it. It was what it was, though. I don't know that any of them were the worst ones because I think everyone kind of led me a little bit to where I am now. But just the base funny part of the question, yeah. I mean, I had some jobs that really, like, it, it, you know, I wouldn't do them again if I if I just had the option, though. Right. Well. Well. Yeah. Tamika. Well, I, there's a lot of jobs that I wouldn't do again. You know that were like quote unquote nine to five cubicle jobs. So that that might even be the title of a song, just nine to five cubicle jobs. Yeah. And there's a lot of jobs that you 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 do them for that particular time and then, you know, that year mark or two year mark approaches and you're like, Ah, oh, I ain't feeling too well. Oh, I got a problem with my eyes, I can't see myself being there. Yeah. And that's it. But now nope. you see yourself being here with yeah. us present. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm very incredibly fortunate of where I am right now. I got to, for the last year and a half, you know, I've gotten to wake up and just really, you know, exercise the dream of putting together a band and going to good studios with good producers, good mixers, good masters, and then also just learning the industry, understanding what it is to have good mixing, mastering, and having a good sound man. Um, a lot of it, I give credit to my business partner, which is. Um, Harvey Mark Allen Tuck, he's the person that came into the picture and kind of, you know, financed the situation in such a way where I was able to take the leap of faith and just turn this into a career. Um, and, you know, I am at the point right now where I'm self-sufficient just based on music. And, you know, besides just visiting, we run a, we run a record label. So it's not just, you know, mm -hmm. just visiting is one peg of it. But, you know, right. I get to just be around music all day. And the other half of my company is a rapper, so it, it's really awesome for me to just just do rock and rap in the same day, being a rap studio and then doing a cypher and then, you know, later on just being in a rock studio, just go, going ape shit on a Fender Stratocaster, you know? Right. Yeah, man. That's really cool. Now, Tamika, do you know uh, what time it is? I'm afraid to ask because <laughs> I, you already know what my votes are going to be. So, <laughs> Well, I, it's I'm, time I'm to glad play. Johnny's going to be here with us. Yeah. What and time is it? It's time to play. To play a game called 
Johnny, please explain your tweeting. Are you guys ready? Oh, it's, it's a game called Johnny, please explain your tweeting. Okay, yep. let's play. Johnny, please explain your tweeting. have a day job uh, still, and I was on the, the circular phone thing, and I was talking to uh, customer service people, and um, I look at your tweet on my uh, iPhone, and uh, I just started cracking up that that high-pitched hyena cackle you just heard, and my supervisor from behind me turns to his uh, his cohort next to him and goes, I wonder what the customer service rep is saying right now, and I was like, nah, I'm on hold, so it was okay, but this is this was the tweet. Want people to not mess with you? Put blue Gatorade in a Windex bottle and walk down the street drinking it. <laughs> oh my goodness! I oh, think I think great. that's a very, I think that's very practical advice. Just because you're you know there's some days that you just get out of an argument or an employer pisses you off and you want to walk a straight line from your job to the train and you don't want people to just even look at you or even breathe. Like even just people's breathing annoys you. And I just thought you know you know the, the most straightforward way to get from you know your desk to the train would be to just throw people off by putting blue Gatorade in a Windex bottle and just you know. <laughs> Keeping it moving. Wow. I thought you were going to bring up the Brazilian one. Thank God. Oh, well, that's coming. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, so, oh also, I've noticed a, a couple of your tweets. Uh, you talk about, I'm smoking that good, good. What is Is that that, that sticky icky? That yeah, that would that would be the that, that would be the current. I'm, I'm borrowing that from the hip hop side of the world. The good good, but yeah, that would be a reference to medicinal um, herb. I think. <laughs> I hear you. Because I have arthritis in my fingers because I play the guitar so much. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> and and right. my glaucoma, my glaucoma is catching up with me at this young age. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. This next set of tweets—is it tweets or twats? Uh, let's, it's whatever Tamika wants. Tweets. What do you want, Tamika? Don't, don't have me right. call you at your name. Tweets. So let's go with twats. Now I, I've noticed that <laughs> a bunch of your tweets. Um, oh, I'm going to read these in succession, and you can explain them after. Uh, it kind of just seems like you're hitting on people. So here we go. You have a tweet that says, "You can't sleep either, huh?" And then the next one, "Hey, pretty." And then you're, you are fine on multiple levels. And then you have a beautiful voice. Your eyes are divine. I like your shape. Are, what are you doing there? What's, what's your end game here? I'm, what I'm doing there is I'm, I'm convincing myself that my girlfriend will never discover that I have a Twitter, number one. You have um, a girlfriend and you're sending those tweets out? Well, the thing is, <laughs> well, no. Well, okay, in defense of every man everywhere that might be in my predicament, we've only been together for three weeks. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. But um, I think on the fourth week you won't find any more of those threads. Or actually, as of tonight, you probably won't. Uh, don't worry. Thanks Next a lot. Next one. <laughs> Apologies. No. Now, let's go to... um. Open wounds never heal if you keep reopening them. Leave the people that are hurting you out of your life. Have you found that you've had to do this a lot? 
I did, believe it or not. I think about that was that's the least comedic of them, actually, simply because about six weeks ago I gave up drinking. Not no, okay, no. Let let me correct myself. I gave up drinking excessively. Um, okay. I didn't give up drinking, and I figured out that my social circle got really small really fast, and I also figured out that about 99% of everything is connected to alcohol at night in New York City. So I just figured out that there were some people that were saying, oh, you, oh, you know, why don't we do seven Irish car bombs? And I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. And I just figured out some of these people just would like to see me loaded up just so that I can kick off, you know, just, just so I could act just reckless. Mm-hmm. And I Correct. figured out, you know what, like, I, you know, as a musician, I'm entertaining all the time. As your friend, I shouldn't have to. So get get the fuck out of my life if all you see me as is, your, you know, somebody that's just like, oh, I'll treat you to like seven cocolosos and let's see you get all crazy. Like, I, those people I just got rid of. And I think people like that essentially, like, they don't stab you, but they hurt you because, I mean, they're not really there unless, you know, unless vodka is in the room those people don't want to be in the room with you you know so my social circle has gotten very little and i think you know it's just yeah i've just kicked i've done a lot of spring cleaning just because i figured out the people that would be around if nothing else was uh, that list has become very small for me right now wow mm. see that's my my problem that's is that important. once i make a friend i take that friend to the grave and it can wind up being like just a complete asshole but I, I never, like, I, and, you know, I just keep these kind of negative influences around me, and I, I don't get rid of them. Like, no, Tamika, for instance. I, I, <laughs> I keep, I, I think. That's not cool. I, I don't know. Day, I, think, I think you should get rid of some of them. You know what I mean? But then again, it's your call. If you can balance that out, if you can balance it out and their, you know, bad intentions and bad influence doesn't really rub off on you, you know, at all. For me, I'm very addictive, obviously. So when I have people around me egging me on to do something over and over, and it becomes routine-like, like, like the, oh, oh, it's it's Wednesday, it's Happy Wednesday, let's go drink, it's Happy Thursday, it's Happy <laughs> Friday, I'm just like, dude, I can't, I'm trying to launch a career, I have employees, I can't just be, you know, I can't be hung over like every fucking day, you know what I mean, so... Um, you know, and and then I'm, I think it's it's just a question of being you know in a place in my life and career where I can be self sufficient. It also just makes me feel just I I did have to grow up a little bit. You know, I mean I can't just be the same person that I was at 22 now. I I did have to grow up. To, you know, so I had to kick some people out. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, another tweet. I'm just wondering what the genesis is behind this one. Uh, common sense is so rare it should be classified as a superhero, what made you uh, write that? Um, I think it was a day, uh, I don't know, I, I think mostly that is just a commentary on the fact that it just it is what it is. I think that's a super straightforward tweet. Just a lot of people just lack the most basic instinct. Like I think in that the week that I wrote that I had gone to a funeral and, uh, you know, somebody's hovering over a casket saying a prayer, and I see a girl walk up to the person in mourning, and the bitch says, like, what are you thinking right now? And I'm like, what? Like, how do you even do that? Like, you know, like, somebody's mourning, and, a bl- uh, of course, a blonde girl is going to go up to her and be like, what are you thinking right now? As the lady's there crying and paying her respects, and I'm just like, wouldn't common sense, common sense tell you to just shut your trap and just let people be? And then just in general, just or just... I think 
explaining something, explaining it is, is complicating. And I think you guys, you know what I mean. Just in, you go through a day where you just look at people and you're like, yo, what are you thinking? Why would you say that? Why would you act that way? Why would you be a bitch for no reason? Why, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a question of, like, certain people are so absorbed into their own reality that they forget that they live in a, in a living, moving organism of other people. And it just bugs me out how some people can be really just in their own zone. And it's just like, no, like, you know, I just, that tweet was just a commentary on just being more aware of the fact that you're part of a bigger picture. You're not the whole painting, no matter how much people may think they are. Yeah, most right. definitely. Now, Thank you for uh, saying that. Thank yeah. you for listening. <laughs> Tamika, are you ready for the last tweet I'm about to read? Oh, boy. I don't know, dude. I'm still pissed off about the other comments, so let's go. I was kidding. I said LOL, JK, OMG, BYOB, OBGYN, or something afterwards. Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. She's talking about um, when I said she was a, a negative uh, influence in my life. Obviously, it was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. Oh, always getting these views towards the end of the show. My bad. Whatever. Oh. It's cool. Tamika seems nice. I am. I'm just. So what's the last tweet? What's the last tweet? Which one did you choose? Okay, so the last tweet is, I wish I was eating a Brazilian girl's ass right now. Hashtag tipsy thought. Uh Uh-huh. Please explain um, okay, do you want the do you want the straightforward explanation? All right, so okay. so what happened was that on one of those what nights, happened? What what happened basically was yeah. that I was at a bar and I was having a couple of glasses of wine and it just so happens that the person that I was making conversation with to my left was somebody that was visiting from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Now, well, no. I hadn't seen the bottom portion of her because she was already sitting at the bar when I got there. So when she got up to excuse herself to walk away to the bathroom, mm. which was a lovely walk on her part, um, I think I just, you know, I, the tipsy thought was, I mean, I'd really love to be doing nothing more in this universe right now than doing my tweet. I mean, I think it was, that's the, lat, the Latino part of me peeking out very strongly. Um <laughs> And I don't know, like, I think you would have thought the same thing, dude. I swear to God, I bet you. <laughs> I bet you. It was just, it was glorious. It was just glory. It was just, it was just insane. It it could only come from Brazil. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> but that's really what it is. I mean, I, I'd like to make it an existential thought, but it was just a very base, primitive desire. Just, it was amazing. It was just godlike. <laughs> like Don Draper, Mad Men, Don Draper, all up in that mess. Yeah, but Don, just wow. would, would you compare her to, to John, Don Draper? Would I compare her to who? <laughs> Let's move on. All Let's right. Move on. Um, so uh, Thomas Hendricks from Shutter 16 said, "You are melding 90s alt rock with the American vampire culture of the last several years." Um, would you agree with that, and how do you manage to do both? I um, well, I think because the the Nirvana influence and the and the Seattle influence is so heavy, 
plus the fact that a lot of the way that we record, I mean, just the nuances that we do, like the harmonics that we add to it, or the layering that we do, or the melodies and the harmonies that I do vocally, they just lend themselves to that kind of like Castlevania from Nintendo feeling to the music. And I mean, it's just, it's just something that I like to have in the music. I like it to be a little bit on the, just a little bit on the, just you know, on the, on a little bit on the darker side. Not so much like happy REM, but more dark REM when they got introspective. And um, you know, I just I definitely like having a dark element, a brooding element to the music, simply because I know where it's coming from. Like I know what's in the recesses of my mind. I know the thoughts that are turning into lyrics. So for me, it's just you know, the music sonically has to also match the words. And I think that that's why people kind of connect with the music in the way that they do, because it's not just like you know a poem that you connect with. You know, a, a, like a like a, a set of music that you pick out of the closet and you just put them together. It's kind of like I'm trying to form a suit with the music and the words and the ambiance of it all. So, I mean, I like I I I definitely just want to incorporate, you know, the more the darker side of, you know, of the darker side of even a happy song if that makes any sense. Like even a happy sure. song can have a darker undertone to it. Um Yeah, most definitely. Johnny um, the hidden mixtape says your music is reminiscent of awesome 90s music like Collective Soul. Uh, to me, that's, that's an incredible compliment. The, the, um, this is going to sound kind of strange, but the, you know, my favorite era of music, it was not Nirvana, though I know that the next era couldn't have happened without them, but it was immediately post-Nirvana. So it was like uh, uh, County Crows, Live, Collective Soul, Soul Asylum, Stone Temple Pilots, right. um, Soundgarden, all these incredible bands with this incredible sound. Um, do you, would you, I think that that sound was, was incredible. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I think, uh, and uh, all those bands that you mentioned right now, like, I adore, like, I'm not also one of those people that just thinks that Nirvana was the holy grail. Like, I love Runaway Train, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? I love everything mm -hmm. off of Dosage. I love, you know what I mean? Um, uh, Candlebox is far behind, is orgasmic to me. Um, you know, so I love all of everything you mentioned right now. You know, everything that was derivative of that starting point, I adore. Like, you know what I mean? Live and lightning crashes, going on to Lakini's Juice when they got a little darker with it. You know, all that stuff to me is just, all of that's really sexy music. Really, really, really sexy music. So I, I think that, you know, even though it was, of course, very secondary and derivative of something that kind of started, you know, in the early 90s, I think that there's something to be said to carrying a torch effectively. Like, anybody can carry a torch, yeah. I think. But when you carry it effectively and you actually, you know, step up and create things that you're like, oh, it does sound like that, but damn, it's, you know, this this is obviously like a live song. This is obviously like a soul asylum song. A lot of those things are just, even though they're derivative, again, being derivative and being derivative efficiently and or or just, you know, in a way where it almost transcends you remembering that it was derivative to something is amazing. Like, I, now that I listen to live songs, I'm not thinking, oh, this is kind of like this happened because Nirvana. No, now I just think about every band independent of it. I'm just like, you know what? I also want people to think of just visiting independent of my influence, too. So I have to do the same thing towards all those bands. But all the bands you mentioned right now, I, I, I love, 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 love. Yeah. And, and to derive something brilliantly, um, in, in terms of that era, I think what's happening now is you have a bunch of bands that are still 
um, creating that sound, but but it's it's just they're doing it terribly. Like I mean, I don't know you know how you feel about certain bands, but if you look at like say Nickelback or Lifehouse, it's just not the same. Certainly, here's the thing though. Like the and, and it's funny that we have this we're having this conversation because just yesterday I downloaded 15 songs of of some kids like top 500 list of the 90 songs. Um, uh-huh. I, I think that some bands like right now. Like I think Nickelback was onto something when they did "How You Remind Me," and then some 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 moron got in their face and said, "Okay, now take "How You Remind Me" and water it down a lot," and that's been the yeah. remainder of their career. And I think the same thing. What was the other band you mentioned besides them? I said Lifehouse. Lifehouse again. I mean that uh that that first hit that they had. What was the name of it? Um, Hanging on a moment. I think that they were onto something, but I think the label yeah. stepped in and said water it down and just make it a little more radio friendly. Not keeping in mind that by definition, Hanging by a Moment was as radio friendly as is acceptable to a rock artist. Now you hear it playing sure. like I get it. You're getting licensing money because you're being played in an elevator. But you're being played in an elevator. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. kind of do want to keep that element to my music where it's a little bit... It's. It, I do want it to just be... I don't want it to be under under that 50% line. I want it to always feel like how you remind me. I want it to feel like hanging by a moment. I want it to feel like Seether's fine again. And then Seether went and got light, too. It just got weird. Like, you know, I liked it when mm-hmm. almost that first song that these bands launched with... I think they they're awesome and they remind me of that magic and then you hear the second and third one and you're like no you're getting away from you were onto something like and I think right. that's a big thing with my band right now like right now we're we're putting together you know we have a CD and if you listen to it it's like you know we have seven songs on it you get that feeling from like five of them you know what I mean statistically that's just good like we're not just looking at you know one song changes everything but five song changes even more in my mind you know. So I'm trying to stay true to the fact that, you know, I, uh, you know, the good thing is that I am my own label, so nobody can really tell me, all right, now you got that, you know, you have life in a shoebox, now do something a little less this, and I don't want anybody telling me that. I'm sure that might change in the next year or two when a bigger parent company steps into the picture and starts telling me what to do. I won't be Mm -hmm. so Clint Eastwood about my attitude when I have somebody (laughs) telling me, dude, if you don't do it, your budget's going to be X'd out. Of course I'm going to pussy out, of course, because life is such that at the end of it all, when you have to pay Sprint, they don't want to hear your sob story. They want money. You know what I mean? So that and I have a family to support. So I, you know, I'm I'm at that point right now where I'm still champion uh, I'm still championing kind of the, you know, just being sincere to the music and I'm still mm-hmm. far away removed from the point at which somebody's going to impose their force on me. I'm in a beautiful gray area right now where I can just write what I want and just put out what I want. I know that's going to change, but as of this moment in this interview, I can I can write whatever I want, record whatever I want, and put on iTunes whatever my heart desires, and it's going to be sincere music, and none of it's going to be a watered-down version of something else you might have heard, at least not for a year. In a year, that might change. Well, like you said, you're in a beautiful gray area, and that's the first time I've really heard someone express it that way, because sometimes it is, gray is actually beautiful. There are different shades of gray. So, yes, that's a beautiful gray area to be in at this particular point in this particular time especially yeah. with the particular society that we're going through. Yeah. So I, I, I commend you on that. And when I say gray area, I mean, I also, like I said, one thing I do want to touch on, 
Um, a lot, I, you know, being a New York City man, there's a lot of things in New York that are happening that, you know, the older I get and the more influence I hope the band has, I'd like to speak on it, you know what I mean? Like, for example, like a lot of music education is being cut, you know, in, across public schooling, and a lot of kids are not getting the opportunity to turn towards a guitar the way another kid might turn towards an algebra book or turn to a sure. piano the way another kid might gravitate towards, you know what I mean, you know, soccer or something like that. You know what I mean? So right. as the band moves up in relevance, I definitely do want to champion causes because, uh, to be honest, like, if, if, if the guitar wasn't in existence, I wouldn't have started my drug addiction, but if the guitar wasn't in existence, I wouldn't have ended it as well. You know what I mean? So I get mm -hmm. that there's an embarrassment to having started a drug addiction, but that doesn't take away from the victory of defeating it. So it's like I definitely right. want to champion for the causes of, you know what I mean, right now there's a whole bunch of red tape happening in the school systems, yeah. and a lot of people don't give a shit because who really cares about Kenny in second period and third grade not playing the piano? But you know what? Kenny might give a fuck about playing the piano. He might want to do that. <laughs> and so right now, like like I said, I mean, like, you know, you can take my tweets, and that's one end of me um, or one end of her, and then you can take yeah, – then you can take this <laughs> – you can take this kind of stance, and I, you know, I'll make sure to tweet about that, you know, the music education thing to balance it out. Now, that's um, – it's interesting you bring that up. I don't know if you guys saw the uh, – the prime time episode when, uh, with Gabby Giffords where, you know, this woman was shot and um, she had to go through just a very extensive physical therapy and um, speech therapy and everything. And the amount of help that music played in that, like the, her physical therapists were walking around playing guitars and stuff. And it was mm -hmm. like, if there was any ever an argument for music classes to remain in schools, it was that. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think the yeah. funny thing is that the, the bad thing about it is that you have a lot of administrators and people that have been wearing a suit so long that they forget the, the feeling that they got when they were 14 and they heard the Beatles, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And the thing is that, the, again, it, it's kind of tricky because it's also not like you're going to appoint the 9-year-old excited about the tuba to the administration, but you have to keep in mind that that's a very viable option. Not everybody's going to grow up to be a, you know, a math whiz or a star designated hitter. There's some kids that are born to be fucking rock stars, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. you know, sure. they, they have to be afforded the ability to access an instrument the same way another kid has access to a basketball or a soccer ball or some kids have, you know, TI calculators and stuff like that. It's all cool. But the thing is that if we do that, if we cut, you know, funding for these things and we make them sound like, oh, well, that's just, you know, we're cutting out the fat, some of that fat might be somebody's just bread and butter for the rest of their lives, and you, you can't do that to kids. So, again, like, I mean, the, the point is the more that, you know, the band gets relevant, the more we get established, and now that we're getting radio play across the country, and, you know, my megaphone is going to get louder and louder over the next few years. I'm not saying it to be conceited. I just know what my drive and my ambition is. <laughs> I definitely want to champion for that because, again, there's some kids out there that, you know, because they're not even seeing that as an option because it's not even on the checklist. And, it, and it's sad to me. It's really sad to me. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to your, your point before, but I completely agree with you about how uh, those bands that, that I mentioned, um, Nickelback, Lifehouse, that they, they were onto something, yeah. with certain music, and then um, they had to water things down probably because somebody got guided them in the wrong direction and then I think what happened with that and where 
kind of that early to mid-90s sound has really trailed off is that that was still watered down, and then you had these bands that were coming out doing something new and different, like The Strokes and The Hives and, and um, yeah, Arctic not, Monkeys and uh, Modest Mouse and, and all these groups that were like, oh, wait, and they were the ones getting recognition because they they, they weren't watering stuff down. You know, they were taking risks, and uh, it's interesting how that happened. Um. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I see your point. I, I'm, I'm not, with the exception of the Arctic Monkeys, I'm not exactly a big fan of of the other three that you mentioned. Um, but, but, um, but I do, you know, I do get that they were the new authentic thing, and for that, I do give them credit. You know what I mean? I, you know, where are the Strokes right now? Where are the Hives right now? Where is, uh, where was the other one? Modest Mouse right now? I don't know. Probably doing, you know, tours in Europe. Um, and making their money, but I think that, you know, I, I just have an overwhelming bias for that 90s sound. I think that it was the only, I mean, if you really think about it, Nirvana only sold, you know what I mean, like, you know, like 11 million albums or something like that, but the effect of it, where you can go on VH1 and look at a top 100 list and Smells Like Teen Spirit is still like number three, you know what I mean, like, there's, Whitney Houston sold like 174 million albums, but you know what, if you say the word Kurt Cobain, it's almost like you're talking about equals in the musical form. I mean, one sold a bazillion albums, the other one went diamond, but the impact of it is what always, the impact of it is what always shows me that I'm following the proper, you know, the proper almost light down the path. Like, I know that that impact, the last true rock star was that dude. Even though he didn't want it, he was the last true one probably because he didn't want it. I mean, he was the anti-hero. You know, but again, I think that right now there's a couple of things that I'm seeing in music, my band included, that's very exciting. There's just like right now there's some bands that are just, you know, they're they're putting stuff out right now that just is exciting again. You know what I mean? And again, the moment that they that the label steps in and they water them down, we're just gonna have to stick to that first song. The first song is always gonna be dope. You know what I mean? I just want to sure. get into the game and make sure that the first like five songs are dope. Sure. Well. Johnny, Rosette Servini, it has been a pleasure uh, checking out at the uh, bitter end. Uh, when is that, April 18th? Yes, Wednesday, April 18th. Um, we're actually going to be, it's going to be a, a CD release, but it's also like a label showcase. There's going to be just publishers and labels and radio programmers, so a whole bunch of that. So we're going to be doing a set at 8 p.m., and then we're going to be doing another set at 10 p.m., um, I think there's rumors of like an open bar somewhere in there, so you know, <laughs> um, whoever wants, to, you know, if you want to sneak over, uh, that'd be a good reason. Otherwise, like I said, we're going to be there on the 18th, and you guys are more than invited. Obviously, if you can make it, then that'd be dope. Um, holla holla. Other than that, I want to just, you know, can I just thank uh, Jennifer Allison for connecting us and uh, putting this interview together via her EXE Media Group. She's been our publicist before there was even an investor, so I have an immense amount of love for her and the, at her company. She runs it in such a, she's a, you know, she's a spiritual woman, but she's not corny. And I'm not saying that to, to be condescending, but there's a lot of spiritual people that are corny, and right. she's not one well, of them. I, I get it. Trust yeah, me. she's, you know, she she's very... You know, she's done her job, and, you know, I'd like, you know, the interview was very much a pleasure. It wasn't an ambush interview. It wasn't it wasn't tasteless. <laughs> it was straightforward. We addressed eating a Brazilian girl's ass. We addressed uh, musical <laughs> education. Um, so I think that, you know, I think, you know, we covered good ground, and I thank you guys for, you know, taking the time out to talk with me tonight. And if you want to hear more of the music, you can hear it at www.justvisitingnyc.com. And if for any godforsaken reason you want to follow my tweets, you can do so at Johnny Cervini.
Um, whoever wasn't following before will be following now, trust me. Um, and, uh, Johnny, before you go, uh, there's, uh, Tamika and I were both, uh, big broad, uh, Broadway people, students of the Broadway, um, Tamika being the one and only Broadway medic. Uh, now, your drummer was nominated for five Tonys. What's, what's the story there? Uh, oh, God. All right, this is going to be uncomfortable, but that was, um, I don't know how to... Okay, the the most straightforward way to say that is that that was written incorrectly. That is not true. That was mis... Um, that, is, wow. that, is not, that is not based on facts. That was a, a misrepresentation of facts. That's like that time, Tamika, you and I, we were talking to that Dave Serino guy, and in his bio it said that he's training to play a superhero in a movie, and I asked him about it on the air, and he was like, well, to be honest, uh, Tyrese is playing a superhero, but I'm, I'm yeah. just one day... You know, one yeah. day I'll be that. No, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, there's no, there's no comfortable way around it. That was just a misstating of facts, you know. But uh, he, he was definitely a child actor, though. You know what I mean? So he did his thing, and um, now he's our drummer, um, and that's where we're at. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right, check him out. Follow him on Twitter, Johnny Servini. Johnny, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, sir. Thanks, thank guys. you, Have Johnny. A good night. Bye, Tamika. Bye. Bye. Have a good night. All right. Um, Tamika, uh, yes, yes, um, how are you feeling as as we end the program tonight? (laughs) Huh? How are you feeling as we end the program tonight? What have you learned? What have you gained? What what do you think? Well, I learned that the first guest, Joe Taylor, um, you know, with the Beatles influence, uh, is hilarious. And I would, if I ever sang karaoke for a second time, I would probably do it with him. And then our last guest here, Johnny, uh, I can't wait to see him perform live and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just hang out for a hot spill and, um, you know, just shoot the breeze. But it's it's been great. Uh, besides that, what I learned prior to both of our guests coming on was that uh, our girl, uh, Justin Bieber, had another song come out. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm feeling I'm you know feeling a certain way about that a little bit. I was looking at a, a thing. Um, wait, what did you just say? What did you say you were feeling? Certain way, a little bit. Blaze and Rye Radio no longer retains the rights to the Certain Way theme song. Hit the brakes, Florence. Back to you, Ryan. And what's her name? <laughs> um. So, oh, you know that at work today, I was like, I was trying to figure out. What do I do about this Bieber song? I really want to listen to it on the train. I know it can YouTube it, but I can't do it on the subway. So, of course, my ass went and bought it on the iTunes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that you have it? Feel? Yeah, I have Certain it. Certain way, it. dude. I... <laughs> oh, God. Well, what can I tell you? Paper right. towels. Paper towels? I'm going to bed. Yeah. Speaking of. Now, I want to thank uh, Tamika. Thank you so much. Uh, for Thank gracing you. us with your presence one more game, and glad you're back. Again. Now, um, Johnny Servini, uh, thank you for your Twitter twats. Uh, they really have made my day, and uh, and thank you for the lovely interview. And Joe Taylor, thank you, sir. And let's all go out karaokeing, and let's you know, we'll get no. Tamika to sing something. No, no, <laughs> no. It'll happen one day. It'll happen. Mm-mm. Just need to. You just need to drink some some of them uh, that 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 liquor that you tried to get ginger ale right now. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm the ginger ale girl right now. So good luck with Fair that. Fair enough. All right, well, we'll be back next week um, with uh, Steve Emerson and the Green Tea Band. Um, and uh, if you've never heard of them before, then, then that's okay because neither have I. But now we're going <laughs> to have them on the show. So um, lastly, I can think of no better way than, of ending the show than by saying if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. And lastly, hit the brakes, Florence. Good night, everybody. Bye. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.